Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Yo, Elizabeth Dutton! Dave Kustin. You know what's ridiculous? I do. Oh, I do. Okay. Do you like whiskey? Uh, yes. In the jar or not in the jar? Sure, sure. Yeah. Sure. Do you like peanut butter? Of course. (laughs) I'm going to do to you what I do to everybody. (laughs) (laughs) On one side, you have good old whiskey, a bold, loud, and strong partner in crime who exudes confidence. I don't know who wrote this, but (laughs) Godspeed. On the other... We have peanut butter. Is this a, a rich, noir? Yes. It's part of the Perry Mason series. A rich, smooth, and irresistible spread that's as dependable as they come for all your late night cravings and, you know, kindergarten lunches. Uh, little did you know, these two blend together quite phenomenally. In fact, they go together so well, they make PB&J jealous. It's nearly impossible to just have one of this delicious treat, so encouraging alcoholism. But we have to warn you, a night with screwball, S-K-R-E-W-B-A-L-L, is Mm. bound to get a little nutty. I'm cringing. Screwball is the original peanut butter whiskey, I think it has to be the original, that embraces everybody's nutty side. Screwball's iconic mix of both sweet and savory flavors Definitely pushes boundaries, but that's exactly what makes it uniquely appropriate for any occasion. <laughs> what bro you know? wrote this? Like <laughs> I don't know, but like first communion, pour me out some. So yeah, <laughs> screwball peanut butter whiskey. How does it push boundaries? Yeah. Well, the boundaries of decency. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> is like is is jelly like the steady and the whiskey like the peanut butter stepping out? Like oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's the side. It's the uh, little strange. This came from uh, Emmy, Emily. I think she goes by Emmy. Um, someone read the emails that we get and passed it along. That huh. never happens. They're kept in a dark, dank vault and no of one course. looks at them. But yeah. this one made its way to the top, bubbled up. So, yeah. Thanks, Emmy. Well, no, thank you, Emmy. Um, that <laughs> definitely ridiculous. is ridiculous. Yeah. 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 Well, I got one for you and for mm. Emmy. Yes. How about a guy who robs... Five banks in the same region in a span of less than a year. That is some, that's some criminal density. That's ambitious. But that's not all. He then makes one of the more remarkable career shifts you'll see from a member of the Five Timers Club. After 12 years of hard time, he comes out of the joint with a running start on his best life. This is not normal. No. This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Elizabeth. Dave. Have you ever been so bored that you decided to do criminal or criminal-adjacent things just to chase the dread away? 
I've dr- I've dreamt of criminal adjacent or criminal things. Yeah, I mean, how about like mildly mischievous things? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. We uh I used to work in a copy mat on campus, the copy play the printing shop. And uh we would be really slow during the summer. We'd like print up a bunch of stuff and then just kind of sit around. Mm-hmm. Uh and um we used to come up with how could we bilk this operation out of money? We didn't okay. do it. But, you know, we would contemplate it and make lists of all the ways you could steal money from the copy mat, from the I guess shop. That, I guess that's technically conspiracy. <sighs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And we could, if we had carried it out, I'm sure that, you know, first of all, we it would have gone on our permanent records. Yeah. We would have been good. busted. Yeah. So. Well, this guy, so the story I'm about to tell you, um, this guy got a case of the Little Town Blues, right? Mm-hmm. You know how he decided to melt them away? Hmm. With a number of bank jobs. Hey, that's spicy. That'll do it. Pretty big league stuff. Uh, (laughs) His name is Sean Hopwood, but it's spelled S-H-O-N. Oh. So like the sound- Sean. Sean. It's like, I think of it as like the sound of a sword coming out of the sheath. Sean. Or like (laughs) cutting a slice of chocolate cake. Sean. If if you went to a first grader and he said his friend's name is Sean, how do you spell it? (laughs) S-H-O-N. Take out a big crayon. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, if Zarin were here, God bless. Yeah, pointing God to the speed. ceiling. I'm I'm pointing to the <laughs> ceiling for no reason. <laughs> I'm pouring my water out down on the uh, floor of the of the studio here. But if he were he's here, he's fine. By the way, everyone, he's fine. <laughs> we hope. Um, yeah, no, he's just out. He's off traveling the world and giving speeches because he's you know important. If Zarin were here, he this guy would qualify for my man status. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Okay. So let me tell you a little more about where he come from. Sean hails from the small town of David City, Nebraska. I wish I came from there. It would be like David the right City. place for me. I know, right? Yeah. This is like the origin story. You just rose up out of the ground. Uh, David City is about an hour and a half west of Omaha or 45 minutes northwest of Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um, Lincoln's kind of like the biggish um, small town, you know, biggish small city, college town, because that's where um, the Huskers are, right? Exactly. Um, but David city is pretty flat, nothing but corn and cattle, lots of grain silos, old brick, and everyone's all up in each other's business. Of course. Sean quickly outgrew that town. He craved a life that felt bigger and more meaningful. He thought he deserved better. He wanted to dance, Elizabeth. He just wanted, he just wanted to let his body express itself. (laughs) The freak flag needed to fly. (laughs) Um, so let me tell you a little more about his upbringing. He had loving parents, Robert and Rebecca. His dad was a member of the Nebraska Cattlemen Association, uh, Robert. He worked labor-intensive jobs in the cattle industry, and he ran a local youth basketball league, which Sean eventually would participate in. Do you think his dad loved the cattle more than he loved his son? That's a, that's a good question. You I know, mean, he, you know. being a part of the Nebraska Cattlemen Association is, a, is as I, I think, a, a big F. That's high stakes. Yeah. That's high, that's, yeah, that's high stakes stuff. Um, but you know, Sean, unlike the cattle had his share of successes. I think the cattle just hang out. So, mm-hmm. um, Sean made the local paper in elementary school along with his buddy, Tom, who we'll hear more about later. Uh, they won some kind of financial literacy competition. Like <laughs> they had to budget out meals for a week and yada, yada, yada. <laughs> Clip coupons. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but then in high school, he was a bona fide basketball star. He took his team to the state champs. They took home the trophy uh, and Tom too. Tom was a part of that crew. Go mm-hmm. Pride, go Aquinas Pride. Oh wow, okay. So from what I could tell, he and his friend Tom, they're living that Larry Bird life, right? Like they're practicing basketball endlessly. They're using short shorts, <laughs> short shorts, short shorts. Using glue stick to keep their cow licks down. Uh, <laughs> they're working on their trash talk. Wait, what year was this? <laughs> this is actually so he's he's my age. Um, so okay. I think so it was like. like he, so he would have gone to uh, high school in like the early, early 90s, like okay. 89, okay. 90. Yeah. Um, and, you know, watching the Bastard College team. Like teams. when you're talking about gluing down cowlicks, I'm like, was this yeah. in the 50s? Is this- no, I mean, I just imagine like, how else is Larry Bird going to keep that cowlick down? <laughs> yeah. These kids are probably using that gel that, uh, that oh, like LA looks? polymer. Yeah. LA looks. There you yeah. go. And, you know, so they're doing all that and they're dreaming about doing something vaguely impressive with their lives. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Unfortunately, things started to go south for Sean around college time. Uh, so in the fall of 93, he enrolls at Midland Lutheran University with a basketball scholarship. Good job, Sean. Yeah. Hooray. 
he flunks out after five months. Oh, boo. Did you ever go from being really good at something to realizing you're just okay at it oh, and there are people my way better God. than you? Yes. I Junior high, I tried to play basketball. Couldn't do mm. it to save my life. Coach pulled me aside. This is like seventh grade. Pulls me aside. He's like, this is not for you. Oh, man. I mean, come on. I'm like, <laughs> must have been 12. pretty bad. Give me a break, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, oh, I was horrible. And then also, then, so I go from high school where I'm like overachiever, top of my class, blah, 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 go to college, can't pass calculus, can't pass chemistry, wind up on probate, academic probation. And I got taken down a notch. Like, girl, oh, you yeah. came from a class of 60. It wasn't hard to be super good. And then you go to a college with like 30,000 people in it. It was a, oh, it was yeah. a reckoning, David. You never forget that first D or F, do you? God, it brought me low. And then I got, <laughs> then I went and did it again. I got another F in calculus when I tried to retake it. So mm. lesson learned. Lesson learned, don't hum- take calculus. I was humbled. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me and math don't mix. So this is what happened to Sean. He's got like the ghost of Ricky Bobby future on one shoulder saying, <laughs> if you ain't first, you last, right? And he's got the dad from searching for Bobby Fisher on the other shoulder who's like, Joshua, there are no losers in this family. You must always win. <laughs> I mean, give yourself a break, brother. Right? Uh, you know that anxiety dream where you dream you've never been to class? <gasps> I have those all the time. Yeah, me too. Still. Oh yeah, me too. Like yeah. where like the last day you're coming in to take the exam and you've never been there. Yeah, you find out that you've been registered for a class this whole time. And yeah. for me, it's always a math class. Exactly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. that's what he did basically. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he just lived ne- it? Yeah, he just never showed up for class. Ah. Uh, so he flunks out of school, packs up his CD disc man, his Tevas, his tapestry, <laughs> remaining cases of Clearly Canadian, his Reservoir Dogs poster. I'm talking yes. about me. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he deflates his basketball, puts it in the briefcase, uh, nice. and his buddy Tom drives him back home to David City. Wah, wah. There he gets a tiny apartment and job as a riveter in a trailer factory, which sounds kind of dismal. Kind of cool, oh, but kind of dismal. Kind of, yeah, like it could go either way. Uh, he quickly burns through his money. His dad is going to bail him out, but only if he joins the Navy. Tough love. Yeah. Uh, Sean figures it'll at least get him out of David City for a while. And that's like his whole MO right now is like, I hate this city I, or this town. I hate this town. So, he, so he's like, okay, I'll, I'll go in the Navy. Um, yeah. So now we're, we're in June 94. He goes through boot camp. He gets an advanced Stinger missile certification. Oh, wow. He shipped out to Bahrain. Oh, and he's quickly promoted. Now he's uh, supporting a bunch of Stinger missile operators in the Persian Gulf, which is a big deal in 1994. Well, yeah, yeah. And way better than shoveling manure in David City, right? Yeah, but, or riveting trailers. Yeah, riveting trailer parts. Now, when you fight people in in like the street or in bars, do you tell them, like, I'm going to take you downtown in David City? <laughs> there's there's trouble in David City. There's and it's big a, trouble in David City. <laughs> and it starts, Look out, with, pal. it starts with this fist. Um <laughs> <laughs> but again, it wasn't enough. Um, he gets that itch like he did, you know, in, in uh, college where he was like, oh, I really wanted to do basketball, but I'd suck at basketball and I don't mm-hmm. know what to do. Um, he must've been pretty insufferable to the dudes around him, you know, yeah. he's like, gets a military promotion and is like, I am better than this. Yeah. So he's under 21 in a strange place, living with a bunch of other enlisted dudes where it's legal to consume alcohol at 18. What do board soldiers do under those circumstances, Elizabeth? Oh, I don't want to know. Well, I do want to know, actually. They play Tetris. No. (laughs) (laughs) Lots and lots of booze. He drinks so much booze that he comes down with acute pancreatitis and nearly dies. Like at the under 21 acute. Oh, goodness. That's a lot. He's he's Uh, drinking that that rot gut. He's got like a 70-year-old liver. (laughs) Uh, So after a week at the Bahraini hospital, they ship him back to Bethesda to finish off his term. Uh, and then when the enlistment is done, he ends up in Lincoln, Nebraska, and then back in David City, which, you know, is thrilling for him. Mm-hmm. Um, this time he takes up residence in the glamorous Shaper Mare, his parents' basement. Okay. <laughs> I, I made that up myself. I, don't think I like that. That. <laughs> that was really good. That's totally good. So he's just sitting in the basement all jaundiced. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he gets a job in the cattle industry, actually shoveling manure this time. And oh, cleaning out barns and dealing with that side of the business, mm-hmm. which, you know, fair enough, does suck. Someone's um, got to do it. Yeah. Someone's got to do it. Might as well be the kid with pancreatitis. <laughs> he again no runs offense into, to into, those with pancreatitis out there. <laughs> he runs into money problems again. Mm-hmm. Mr. Financial Genius, you know, fifth grader or whatever, runs into money problems. It seems he was either passing bad checks or very bad at personal bookkeeping. <laughs> 
Either way, Johnny Law catches up with him. His dad, again, this time very sternly, bails him out of any immediate danger. After the bad checks incident, he goes back to what he knows, uh, tries to re-enlist in the Navy. The Navy says, no, thank you. They look at yeah. his record. They're like, yeah. We'll pass. Yeah. So now he's spending a lot of time with his friend, Tom. Uh, both of them trying to chase their depression away with hard living and jobs they hate. <laughs> Around this time, he and Tom have an absolute epic throwdown in the snow. It's kind of a dumb story, so I'm not going to tell you the whole thing. But basically, it's like drunk driving, one-upsmanship, throwing haymakers, petty <laughs> insults. And as you know, Elizabeth, hurt people tend, <laughs> tend to wound those around them. Yes, yes. So wait, um, this gruesome twosome, they're just going around like just living the worst life in David City. Yeah, like, you know, they're working, you know, 60-hour weeks at work and then they're boozing and they're like, you know, looking for um, <sighs> looking for college girls and Lincoln, the whole thing. And, and oh, miserable the whole time. Bumming so me out. after, you know, about a week after the fight, they end up in a bar after exchanging awkward apologies, like bros do, like, oh, dude, I, I'm so, oh, my God, dude, I am so sorry. Like, I was so nah, drunk. <laughs> then they have the kind of conversation that those of us in the hindsight business call a huge mistake. <laughs> oh, no. It starts with Tom saying, so what do you think about us robbing a bank? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is like the worst, especially coming out of, oh, boy. Yeah. That These was it, though. Overachievers. Like, that was it. They found their cure for their terminal small town boredom and suffocatingly hey. small lives. Here's what Sean says. Here's how he remembers it. Most people would have laughed that off. But to me, the world was newly framed in that instant. Everything once bleak was now interesting and new. The beauty of the idea was that we would either go down like Butch and Sundance or we would have the money to really live. Either way, it would be a big improvement. For the first time in a long time, we were excited about the future. <sighs> they were just following their spirit. Well, hot damn. Needless well, to say, <laughs> Sean said, that sounds like an absolutely capital idea, my good man. <laughs> so Sean gets home. He opens up Microsoft Word. Clippy pops up. Yes. It looks like you're about to rob a bank. Can I offer some suggestions? <laughs> First, you should figure out which bank you will rob. Click more for more ideas. And he clicked Word Art and wrote bank robbery across the top <laughs> in wavy script. And like it's thinking. <laughs> totally. So they get into Tom's car and they go north to go bank shopping. Tom's father owned a small property in that direction. Their plan gets a little bit confusing, but let me tell you really quick. Um, mm -hmm. This is like the thing they put the most thought into. They're going to stash their actual getaway car at Tom's dad's farm before the robbery. That's location one. Okay. They pick out an abandoned cornfield somewhere and stash an old grain truck there. That's location two. Mm -hmm. Then they're going to drive a disposable stolen car to the bank and drive it back to location two, ditch it, uh -huh. gra grab the grain truck as car number two to get them back to location one, then pick up their real car for the actual getaway. You'll double switcheroo. Yeah, right? I mean, I guess it's fine. Like, it seems like, like over-engineered, but whatever. It's a vehicular shell game. So uh, they find their target. They decide to hold up Petersburg State Bank. They case it three times. Tom wears a baseball cap and a wig and probably put on a Mrs. Doubtfire accent. <laughs> And he asked for a tour of the safety deposit area. Oh, really? Really obvious there, buddy. <laughs> Sean goes in twice and asks for a roll of quarters each time. <laughs> he was low, playing it low there. Um, they made hand drawings of what they found. You know, they tried to let some time pass in order to remember the weirdos obviously casing the joint. Right. Now, remember that whole passing bad checks issue? Yeah. Sean blew off his court appearance for that. So now he's got a bench warrant on top of it. Oh, my God, dude. Call it a sporting handicap. I wonder why he wasn't able to follow through in college. <laughs> so Sean and Tom are now back in David City. Now they'll need to steal a car and also locate some heaters because it gets cold in Nebraska. No, I mean guns. They're going to have to locate some guns. <laughs> some guns. A blower? <laughs> yeah, a couple blowers. So Sean goes back to Clippy, who says, you'll need something to put the money in, and then waves at the screen and minimizes. Sean grabs his dad's old toolbox and puts some canvas bags in there. He pulls together a duffel bag full of criming supplies and back to Clippy. You'll need a getaway <laughs> car. And then Clippy blows a kiss over its shoulder. Know, <laughs> That's <it's> weird. weird. <laughs> uh, they find a car a few towns away in a church parking lot with the keys still in it. A nice Chrysler New Yorker. God, ble God bless a Chrysler New Yorker. Good old American Lee Iacocca hey. car. Yes. Uh, so they stash the car and the grain truck where they need them to be. They check into a CD motel using Tom's real name. Oh, also smart. dumb. Smart. Um, okay. Is it so dumb? It's smart. <laughs> it, Maybe. It might be. We'll, we'll Maybe. see. Maybe. 
In fact, you know, their room isn't ready yet. So let's take a break. Okay. <laughs> and we'll wait in the car. <laughs> I'd like you to find things to do in Petersburg, Nebraska for a few hours while we take in some lovely advertisements. Easy enough. All right. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60 day money back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Elizabeth, Elizabeth, wake up. You fell asleep on the nasty couch in the motel lobby reading Wait, pamphlets what? about ghost tours and corn mazes. Where am I? Where are did my you shoes? Even, did you even hear any of those top shelf ads? I feel like they like, it was by osmosis. Something <sighs> about LifeLock. I, should, I don't know. We, I don't. Should we go back? Should we, yeah, should we run another again. ad block? Okay, we'll again. be right. Do it no. again. <laughs> uh, well, we'll spare you. Um, yeah. It's Monday morning, August 18th, 1997. And it's go time. Mm-hmm. The boys wake up, shake off the bed bugs. They drive the Ford Tempo to the grain truck, the grain truck to the Chrysler. They're about to set sail towards the bank in the stolen Chrysler. Mm. As they enter the town of Petersburg, they see a cop car parked about half a block away from the bank. Woof. Oh, no. They tool around outside of town a while and keep making passes around the bank, but the cop car is still parked there. <laughs> think, Brosifs, think. Elizabeth. Yeah. Close your eyes. <gasps> My eyes are closed. I would like you to picture it. You're a large quadrupedal creature chewing on some delicious <laughs> acorns by the side of the road. <laughs> you see, Elizabeth, your highly active salivary glands produce enzymes that help deactivate secondary plant compounds, such as tannins, that disrupt digestion. So convenient. You're a white-tailed deer, and you got no particular place to be. Mm -mm. You're standing outside your for now home, the remnants of an old barn. Part of the roof fell in five years ago, but it gives you decent protection from the elements and lots of snacks. Plus, it's got good bones and abundance of natural light. You're thinking of putting up shiplap next fall. <laughs> Your vision is, of course, terrible, given that you're a deer, but you look up instinctively, hearing the cheap roar of a Chrysler New Yorker pass by. I have great hearing. Your great hearing picks up squealing as if as the uh, Chrysler flips a U-bone and comes to rest just outside of the barn structure. What is this? <laughs> the boys hop out and head for the barn, but by then you've spotted some discarded okra. You're chowing down, goons be damned. You don't care. <laughs> but the next thing you know, you smell something. No, your friend the rabbit doesn't have the winds. That was a fart joke. Uh, <laughs> A-plus. That's, 
That's burning hay that you smell. Uh-oh. The boys have started a fire in the barn. What are you going to do? Wait, they've started... Oh, no. Oh. You panic, and then you do the only thing you know how. You run real fast into the middle of the road and just stand there. And then get hit by a truck? Pretty much. Well, That's I mean, pretty much all they know how to do. There's an ellipsis here, so I, I, we don't know what happened. <laughs> I filled in the blank for you. You see, the boys were hoping to lure the patrolman away with this fire. Oh, they my God. They get back God. in their car. Yeah, right? They get back in their car. They thoughtfully avoid you, and they park up on a hill to watch. Nothing happens. It's like an entire sleepy town rubbed its collective eyes, looked at the weak plumes of smoke, and said, Who knows? Who cares? <laughs> they probably thought it was someone just burning brush. Yeah, apparently it was a, it was a really, like... It was more of a campfire than a raging barn fire. So. <laughs> Anemic, yeah. It didn't work. Undeterred and driven by Sean's need for money to pay his lawyer for that bad checks thing, and despite that stubborn patrol car's continuing presence, the bros pressed on. They're locked in. Elizabeth, are you ready for the terminally bored, thrill-seeking Gen X 20-somethings big bank heist? <laughs> oh my God, you have no idea. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now it's Tuesday. They suit up. Sean, who they agree to call... Mr. Red, they've seen Reservoir Dogs. Oh, no. <laughs> Sean is dressed as a construction worker with boots, coveralls, a hard hat, and a big mask with eye holes. Wait, a mask with eye? Like a yeah, I guess balaclava? like a scarecrow looking thing? Yeah, probably. Oh, that's not suspicious. Was He's the other ca- one dressed as an Indian? Just wait. <laughs> He's carrying his dad's metal toolbox with the canvas bags inside of it. Okay. You know, he keeps that thing on him. He does. <laughs> <laughs> and also... Dad- He's got his daddy's toolbox. <laughs> and he's strapped also. Uh, <laughs> but patrol car is still there, but screw it. We've gone this far. So he walks yeah. in. First thing he does, he drops the toolbox. Bang. Gets everyone's attention. He unzips his pant leg and pulls out his <gasps> rifle, which is kind oh. of a cool scene. Wow. Uh, he shouts, you know. The Wait, old, the, his pant leg? He's got like, like a zip up, like those Adidas track suits. Like, oh, I was kind of hoping he just unzipped his fly and pulled the shot. <laughs> like, just drop trout. Hey, oh. He pulls out his heater. <laughs> <laughs> or he has like this, the snap, the like rip away warm this is, up pants. This is a family show. Elizabeth. And then there's <laughs> just him and his skid marked undie pants. You know? yeah, I just got, got a whole other mental picture right now. <laughs> he, he pulls up his coverall zip. Yeah. He's, he's, got his, uh, he's got his long gun. He shouts, this is a robbery. Yeah, he does. We've all heard it. <laughs> People are kind of smiling uncomfortably and sweating profusely. There were lots of synthetic sure. fibers in the late 90s. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, so now Tom, who they agree to call Mr. Black, comes in. So they've got Mr. Red and Mr. Black. Uh-huh. A teller asks if this is some kind of joke. Sean yells again, everybody get down. Now people start to move with a little more alacrity. Mm-hmm. They, they hit the floor. Those bodies, they, they allow them to hit the floor. But they let the bodies hit the floor. Come <laughs> on. They, Tom grabs the canvas bags and pulls all the cash into the teller drawers. Tom is getting nervous. He wants to know what's going on outside. And in a moment of unprofessionalism, Tom yells, check the windows, Hopwood, instead of check the windows, Mr. Red. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oops. Always bet on black. Uh, now, all that's left to do is secure the bags and lock the would-be hostages away so they can execute a quick getaway. Sean's checking his watch, seeing they're already three minutes in. He's panicking a little, but they manage to get everyone in the bank vault, lock them in. They mosey on out of there and into the Chrysler. You know, it's as big as a whale, so there's plenty of room for all those canvas bags of cash. And they can just set sail. Exactly. Wait, now, is he still wearing the scarecrow mask? That is terrifying. If I'm in the bank and I work there and this dude limps in because he's got one leg as a rifle and he's wearing a construction hard hat. And then, like a potato sack with holes ca- carved coveralls. out of it. Yeah. Oh my god! I would just, I would just, I would just collapse if I saw that. Yeah, I mean, there's. There, it's funny you should say that because there were a lot of articles in the paper, the local paper. I think it's the Banner Press about what trauma these people went through. And like, in I'll, I'll tell you, disclaimer: all these five bank robberies, no one's shot, no one's pistol whipped, like no violence happens. Yeah. And yet there are all these like articles about the trauma these people live with forever. And granted, sure. like it's tough to be in a bank robbery, but oh yeah, yeah. But to your point, like, yeah, it it scarred them. It's like it's a bank robbery and he's dressed like nightmare fuel. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. Uh so where are they? They hightail it down the highway to the abandoned farm. They stash the Chrysler deep in the woods and pull their jukebox money out of it. <laughs> they switch their clothes from construction worker to farmhand now. <laughs> they hop in the grain truck and they head towards location one. As they get on their way, the portable scanners go nuts. 
the police had gotten there already and removed everyone from the vault. They had already had really good descriptions of Sean and Tom, although not the faces, obviously. They both kind of slump a little lower in their seats in the grain truck. Uh, Next, they hear the tone on the scanner change. Cops are yelling that they have the vehicle in their sights and they're going to take it down. They look around terrified. They're like, oh, they're onto us. Like we are hosed. This is it. Yeah. They're still in the truck bed. Sean or Sean's in the truck bed. He holds tighter to his rifle and he braces. He expects to see the blue and reds any minute now. Two minutes pass. Nothing. Huh. Then the scanner lights up again. We got him, say the cops. No sign of weapons or money. Turns out they nabbed two twin 18-year-old boys who had done absolutely <laughs> nothing wrong. <laughs> Oops. They Small just happen cops. to be wearing construction clothes. Yeah. You're roughly the shape of humans. <laughs> <laughs> Five foot something, and you have two arms. So, Elizabeth, they done did it. They got away with about $50,000. 50 grand? That's a lot. Because most of these stick-ups, they seem to only come away with, like, a you know, several thousand at the well, most. They, they were kind of smart about it. Like, they picked a bank that had um, had an ATM that seemed like it was in a big enough town that would have some commerce, but yeah. not big enough that would ha- actually have a police station, um, right. which is part of why they were surprised there was a cop there. Yeah. Um, let me tell you about how they split it. Tom took the bulk of his earnings in rolls of quarters. Wait, <laughs> he had taken what? everything from the tills, including the quarters. He had said before <laughs> the robbery, he wanted the change so that, quote, he would never have to scrounge quarters for the coin-op laundry again. Oh, my God. Little pinball wizard. What do you get? How heavy is that? I 25 really f- grand in quarters? Yeah. I mean, maybe it was like five grand. I don't know. Like, yeah, bless him. Well, so you said they got 50. Yeah. They so he got split it. They did, but oh, but I he think, took the bulk of it. He took, yeah, or yeah. like he took a, a section of it. Okay, I got it. And it's you know, it's Sean's recollection. Like, yeah, you know I don't what, know. dude, buy a washer and dryer. <laughs> That's right. You've got you the solve cash your now. twenty grand. <laughs> Head on you down think? to Sears. You got to get a warranty. Yeah, like get an apartment that has a washer dryer. Right. How about there that? are a lot of options. Tom, you know, as you can tell, is thinking about other things. He decides he's going to get off the fast moving bank robbery train and use his money to go to college. Oh. Which is a smart move. Sean, who, remember, needed the money for his previous legal entanglement, doesn't know when to quit. He's going to press his luck. Maybe he's finally found his special purpose in life. Perhaps. And it's in this time, so we're around October. This happened in August. A couple months after this job, Sean also gets popped for procuring alcohol for his brother, who is a minor. So he's sentenced to a $500 fine and spends 60 days in county jail. Wait, so he robs a bank but doesn't get caught, buys alcohol for a minor, (laughs) gets caught. Yeah, just like... Oh, my God. Keystone cops. Right? So after all that, he gets out. He's thinking about his next job, his next bank job. Uh, He moves to Lincoln. He finds an apartment with a bunch of college dudes. Mm -hmm. This guy, Craig, a friend from high school and fellow traveler, shows up. Craig had a much tougher start to life than Sean, And then he had gone through a remarkably similar patch as Sean had, kind of like, you know, getting kicked out of armed forces for one reason or another. But now uh, now Craig is living in a car. Sean is a really nice guy. And he's like, I'd like to help this guy out. So Mm -hmm. he asked the other dudes if this guy can crash with them for a while. These dudes, you know, they shrug in between bites of hot dog and bun soaked in lemonade. And they're like, yeah, sure, dude, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> they're what they're warming up for a big contest. They're, they're getting yeah, ready. I guess. I guess. <laughs> so now it's about five months on Sean's money is running dry. Cause we've established he cannot handle money. Right. Um, so he's prepping for his next bank job. He offers to cut Craig in uh, and see if he'll come along. Craig's like, sure. Doesn't bat an eye. Now we've talked on the show about a lot of ridiculous criminals who love to sweat the details, right? Mm-hmm. Where like the whole heist becomes kind of an extended Martha Stewart craft project. Oh, totally. And I love them. This is very much not Sean. Oh, no. <laughs> Sean. Uh, Sean. Uh, a lot less planning goes on into the second one. And Sean himself admits that as time goes on, his heists get more and more half-assed. <laughs> he goes from elaborate multi-car sleight of hand and costume changes to more of a brute force and prey kind of thing. And as, as much as he manages to slog through five of these things, you don't get the sense that he loved the criming life. No. No, it doesn't sound like it. So like his falling out of college after the scholarship and like his drinking his way out of the Navy and like his small score of a free happy meal in McDonald's monopoly game, Elizabeth, he got a taste of something bigger and didn't really care for it all that much. No, no, it doesn't sound like it. (laughs) So, okay. The second armed robbery, this time they target a bank near Lincoln, which is a little riskier because it's like, you know, a bigger, bigger place, more like county stuff, state stuff. We're now in December, 1997. This is a saline state bank of Hallam. Hallam's a tiny town, but it's on the outskirts of Lincoln. 
Mm-hmm. This time they get in and out in three minutes and they don't lock the onlookers in the vault this time. Uh, they could hear police choppers on their way out, but it was a real foggy day and that seems to have given them the cover they needed. Okay. The hall this time, around 12 grand. Meh. Meh. Bigger um, city and they didn't get more money. Interesting. Yeah, they just, you know, they didn't they didn't uh, case the place. Well they lucked out that it. first one. I think so too. Um, but by this time, Sean had rung up a big tab with that lawyer representing him on the bad checks. Most of his six grand goes to the attorney fees. A hoplit always pays his debts. Yep. He hands the lawyer a paper grocery bag full of cash, mostly ones, and tells him they were <laughs> tips from a restaurant job. What would you have told him? Uh, yeah, no, I'd say like, you know, I, I, run, a, I run a coin-op laundry. I'm a dancer, I think is what I would have gone with. Like, it's oh, my second no. job. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, at sloths, people don't tip in dollars. They tip in 20s. <laughs> they tip in acorns so, or like... Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> what a sloth Corn cobs. I don't know. What do... Like leaves, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Something like low calorie because they don't expend any energy. So yeah, they're like fistfuls of... <laughs> That's for koalas down the block, Dave. At, at uh, you sloths... Guys- you got to wait like your home growing your eucalyptus tree they until just, it's like bears uh, leaves again. And you- they, they just come and they, they like squeeze hot chocolate into our mouths as we <laughs> oh, lay <God>. there. <laughs> uh, you, you just dropped the GO. I know. Um, I know. So that's it for the second bank. Uh, mm-hmm. Craig gets his cut. Uh, Sean's descriptions of these robberies get shorter and shorter in his book. Maybe he's too grossed out about all his own behavior or maybe they're wait, just all blur. Yeah. Did you say book? Yes. So, <laughs> so this is not a spoiler. He did not, um, his, his like amazing second career is not author. I'll just okay. get that. Over. Okay. Yeah. I like that. that. That wouldn't be fair. No. Um, so let's see. So they're now a duo though. Craig and Sean, um, mm-hmm. the magnificent pair. They next, <laughs> they next rob York state bank in Gresham. A few months later, we're now uh, March 24th, 1998. They get about 16 grand. And now we're at the fourth bank, bank of Peru. Sean artfully goes in disguised as, quote, a dirty homeless guy and started screaming like the characters in Pulp Fiction who robbed the diner. Oh, no. You just can't escape movie references you in cannot. this business. And in the 90s, you can't get away from Tarantino references. No. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, but it I is. Wish it's had, that cinematic draw for, for them. For Yeah. Criminals. I wish he had yeah. done the Be Cool. That probably would have been a yeah, better move. That's true. Uh, total take on this one is about 25 grand. Okay. But- this time, they are a hair's breadth away from getting caught. Mm. Like a, a dog's hair away from getting caught. <laughs> uh, a doll after, hair away. <laughs> yeah. You get it. Um, yeah, I do. After the caper, Sean gets pulled over in a speed trap just mm. after dropping Craig off. Craigers. Um, <laughs> Craiger McCraiger. <laughs> he's got a handgun and 15 grand in the trunk, and he's pulled over in a speed trap. That's a good look. And, you know, they look him up, boop, boop, beep, boop, 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 beep. Um, <laughs> Sean's warrant from the bad checks come up when the cops do their search. Mm. They get so excited about having him dead to rights for the warrant that they forget to search his car. <gasps> no way. Well, I mean, on a speed ticket, I mean, even if he didn't have the warrants, I don't think they would have searched it for a speeding ticket. So he gets picked up in jail. A friend comes I mean, by and bails you're him you're going to need a warrant for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, the gun and the cash are all still there in the trunk when he picks up the car. No way. Oh my God, he's amazing. like, he's blessed, like absolutely hashtag blessed. <laughs> so now there have been four armed robberies in the greater Lincoln area in a pretty short period of time, right? From yeah. the first one in August 97, this fourth one was in May 98. Oh, wow. He's really cramming them in there. Nine months. Uh, by now the FBI is looking over local law enforcement's shoulder and scouring for patterns. And the local cops have a reasonable sketch of Sean now with the face. His dad actually sees this on, on local TV and like lock himself in his office and starts crying. Aww. So his dad knows what's up. Yeah. yeah. Sean could sense that the walls were closing in. Though that's such a podcast cliche, I'm really embarrassed that I put it in this <laughs> it's podcast. It's good though. Yeah, there should be though. like a jar I have to drop a fiver in or something. <laughs> exactly. Well, head down to, head down to Sloth, take a five. <laughs> there see you what go. Happens. Yeah, like worry, take your cares away. If you tip a if you tip a dancer at sloth, it's five bucks. She'll just roll over on the stage. <laughs> Pull the blanket further up. Over Is that her. wow? Okay. Yeah. Is that it's good or cr- bad? You, you want to? It's roll very over? Victorian. It's very Victorian. <laughs> Show a little bit of ankle. Ooh. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting heated. I know, um, I know. So let's take another break. Okay. <laughs> when we come back, I will take you through the final ill-advised bank job 
and how Sean's life gets flipped, turns upside down. Uh-huh. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. ATT Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit ATT.com slash hypergig for details. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Elizabeth. Dave. After the four capers, now Sean has a reputation among his friends and family. It's like uh, he sent out an email and he was like, hey, everybody, it's like 20% off. <laughs> Thank like robbers. His, his uh, Christmas letter that <laughs> yeah. he sends around. Well, this year, robbed a couple banks. But they all know. And he's got siblings. His brother, Brooke. He's got another brother, Brett, who thought it was really cool. Um, like I said, his dad knew. There's this other guy named Tyler who was like a medium level weed dealer and gun supplier who also hooked them up with stolen cars. Um, and Sean was spending a lot of time with Tyler. A far cry from his old Larry Bird lifestyle, Sean is now, you know, taking bong hits, playing video games, and watching reruns of Cheers and The Cosby Show. Maybe Do a little empty know? nest. Do we know that's so different from the Larry Bird lifestyle? Well, that's, that's I mean, a good point. who's to say? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how he lives. That's, now, that's, his brother is named Brooke? Uh, he's got two, Brooke and Brett. Do you think Brooke's name is spelled B-R-U-K? I wish. Probably. Uh, let's say, yeah, he's, let's say he's, got the, he's got the double O's. I'm sorry. His, yeah, no, like, no. I, I'm telling you, his brother's <laughs> name is spelled B-R-U-C. Well, well how, about, how about we compromise? Okay. He's, he's, he's got the double O's, but that becomes his nickname. Everyone calls him double O. Oh, okay. That's perfect. That's right. how this happens. Okay. Um, the big problem for Sean, though, is not with double O. It comes when he finds out his brother, Brett, Craig, Craig's little brother, Cody, and their friend, Harley, Bunch of 17-year-olds are all themselves now planning a bank job. Oh, he had wait, captured the, Yes, he had <laughs> captured the hearts and minds of a generation. Oh, my God. So Sean tries to play the big brother card on Brett and order him not to, and, you know, giving him noogies and rope burns and all this. Like, hey, don't rob the bank. Come on, right. don't rob the... <laughs> but at that point, what credibility does Sean have? Right? Who are you going to tell me what to do? Four I learned later. it from watching you, Sean. <laughs> If you don't let me do this, there's never going to be a bank left for me to rob. Exactly. But, you know, Brett wasn't about to let Sean have all the fun for himself, so they make a deal. The David City U-22s, as I call them, which in soccer, that's what they call the under-22 professional leagues. Uh-huh. They could help out Sean on Sean's next and final big bank job, and Sean would allow them to wet their beaks in case you were worried. Right. A little apprenticeship. Yeah. But under no circumstances could they go inside the bank with him. And after that, they all agree that we're going to retire from the game. Like, this is our last score, which always works in the movies. And we've heard that on this show so many times. <laughs> always just one works. last score. Just, and then I'm retiring. Uh, so Sean reflects, bringing in Brett is the moment of my past for which I have the least patience or understanding. <laughs> so it's not that he has a regret. He has the least patience or understanding of what he he's was, done. He was out of his mind. Yeah. Oh, popped um, up on goofballs. Yeah. I mean, well, that is the thing. Like, I, we don't know of any any drug activity going on here other than, you know, just like a little. Yeah, a little toot <laughs> but, uh, toots. Yeah, a little toot. But, um, but it's not later on, like, so, like there's an allegation. It's not clear. Anyway, uh, 
so Sean and Craig at this point had already selected their fifth and final target, which is going to be Farmers National Bank in Pilger or Pilger, P-I-L-G-E-R, Nebraska. Mm, you can say it both ways. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I and mean, also, I'm who not, cares? I'm not from Nebraska, <laughs> but I'll t- say on authority, you can you can say it however you <laughs> oh, like. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's both. The different eras in time, it was owned by different right. countries. Right. Well, if you're on the left side of town, you say it one way, and on the right side, and it's not northwest. No, it's left or right side of town. <laughs> yeah. It's I, different I'm out with there. When it was French occupied and it was called okay. Piget. Piget. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. So the U22s. Uh, Brett and Harley steal the car for the getaway use this time. That's like their big job. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do a half-assed job like a 17-year-old's going to do. They stash it in a nearby abandoned farm, which seems like a theme. Yeah. Mysteriously, like the next day, it's back where it was. So Wait, they picked a okay. not-so-abandoned farm is basically what Yeah, happened. yeah. So they find another car, but it runs out of gas. Now they all walk up to a farmhouse to borrow some gas, which again, seems like a dumbass move. Yeah. And those old folks charm the pants out of this robbery crew. Sean's there. And Sean gets so warmed up. He even tells them they're all from David city. Oh no. Oops. But they have no gas. So then the robbery crew goes to a gas station. They all turn their pockets out like empty promises from a monopoly <laughs> and realize they have no way to pay. So they fuel up, but then uh, tore ass out of there, leaving one of the bigger criminal footprints you can leave before a crime has ever been committed. Right. Dummy, oh dumb, dumb. So then the sad sacks, uh, the transmission goes on the way to the bank, like drops the tranny, like they say. Are you kidding? On a, on a stolen car. On a stolen car. Oh, my God. So they First they get car. one that's out of gas. So it's out of gas. Transmission is on its last legs. Yeah. Gives out when they have it. They finally dump that one. They find a third car. Mm-hmm. And, and that one sticks. So finally, and I think I'm actually getting sick of bank robberies and describing them at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yada, yada, stick them I up. I get it. I get it. Sean does all the dirty work, right? So he doesn't have much of a plan. He's running out of patience too. He walks into the bank brandishing a handgun and screaming, blah, blah, blah. He walks <laughs> to the registers. He, it said he like used the gun to scoop the cash out of the tills, but I don't really see that. Well, let's in, say he did. Let's say so. that the gun, like the handle at the bottom, he had welded like a large serving spoon on it. Ooh, I like <laughs> Or like a soup ladle. Or what about one of those grabbers from the straight story? Perfect. Perfect. Or the good it's ones. Just, one it's of the modified. good ones. He's like, yeah. look, if you're going to modify a weapon, do it in a utilitarian way. <laughs> I love it. And then it's just. Some people like a bump stock. I like a, you know, a grab I like spoon. a grabber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, okay. So he's got that. He uh-huh. gets all the, the money. The grabber gun. He's got the yeah, grabber gun. He's got the grabber gun. Uh, he, uh, he, he goes into the vault. He, uh, gets the stuff out, maneuvers into a bag. Customers and staff, not okay. People are mm-hmm. running out of the back screaming. I'm picturing like they've waving their hands around. Like they just oh, totally. don't care. <laughs> um, but Sean manages to get done. He gets out. Craig's little brother, Cody is there waiting in the getaway car, like leaning against it. Cody. Doesn't know how to do this. Um, this time, Sean gets away with between $115,000 and $130,000. Get out. Way, way more than he expected. Uh, yeah. They, it turns out they had just received a shipment of ATM cash, which he had no way of knowing. It just all worked out. Dumb luck. Yeah. So they're also like those crisp bills that smell mm-hmm. real good. I, would, I like yeah. my dead president's crispy. <laughs> uh, so Sean heads to Omaha. He buys a fancy Armani suit for an upcoming wedding. He checks into the Double Tree for some of them free cookies. <laughs> That's uh, right. <laughs> I love those free cookies. <laughs> At this point, the FBI had all but made Sean and much of the crew. The first one to go down is Lil Harley, one of the U22s. <laughs> Lil Harley. Lil Harley gets popped for something minor, but had way too much cash on him, as you I'm going to pretend in my head that Harley's eight years old. Continue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so all the mistakes start adding up on Sean. I've got some details. Uh, I think I'm going to have to skip them. One that I'll give you is, there's just like, you know, a, a comedy of details. Sure. Um, the couple they tried to get the gas from. The ones that the, plied them with baked goods and befriended yeah, them, the old yeah. farmhouse couple. They talked to the people at the gas station who they had stiffed. And then they all go to the cops together. Like, oh, I think we have a clue yeah. for you. Um, there's Citizen palm Citizen detectives. So that last job is on June 26, 1998. The FBI arrests Sean at the Doubletree in Omaha on the 30th of June, like four days later. Mm-hmm. They also grab Cody Bach. Uh, that's Craig's brother, little brother. So yeah. now they have Sean, Harley, and Cody, two of whom are under 18. Oh, boy. So that's it. This is all just for, the far, for that one bank job. But the connections start being seen. The case gets transferred to federal court. 
July 8th, 1998, which, you know, everyone's sweating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't go into all the details on how they tied them all together, broke the case wide open. Most of it just like went through the U-22s and their friends, big mouths and kind of amateur hour. Right. Now, remember Sean's friend, Tom, who called it quits after the first bank job and decided to move on with his life, right? Yeah, he used his, yeah, he exactly used it to pay for college. Well, a year and a half later, the feds nabbed Tom right on his college campus. They are. Oh, no. Yeah. They're waiting outside of his classroom. He's taking a test. They put the cuffs on just as he finishes up and walks out. Well, he's now the coolest guy on campus. Yeah. He was also in a criminal justice uh, degree program. Oh, stop it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So useless. Uh, he pleads guilty. He gets four years, nine months in prison, then supervised release, and 48 k in restitution. Oh, man. I don't know how that, that's like half the job plus some maybe damage or something. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, younger brother, Brett Hopwood, not double O, uh, he's a senior in high school, but they try him as an adult. Ouch. Um <laughs> He pleads guilty. He gets 12 to 30 months. They do let him finish off his extracurriculars since technically the robbery happened while school was not in session. So, you know, he can play his baseball playoffs or whatever. Oh, my God. Like before he has to report for jail. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Um, Among the other U22s, Harley gets one to three years minus time served. Corey gets two to four years minus time served. Uh, His brother, Craig, Big Daddy, he gets 13 years. 13. Yeah. I mean, that's like four banks. Corrupting minors. Yeah. Yeah. So now we get to Sean. Sean starts off pleading not guilty, but changes his plea Mm -hmm. uh, because each of the five robberies carried a max of 20 years in federal pen each. Oh, no. He becomes a cooperating witness against Tyler, who I think has the government name Glenn Woodard. I wasn't positive, but it seemed like they must be the same dude. um, Or else these two are separate. Yeah. Glenn the creator. Yeah, Glenn, <laughs> Glenn the Creator. Uh, he attests to Glenn the Creator providing the guns and stolen cars and drugs. Uh, so Glenn gets six counts of aiding and abetting. Oh, okay. Uh, that's 10 years in federal, which, you know, remember, as we know from this show, you don't get any parole in federal prison. Uh-uh. Sean, from that, is able to plea down to 12 years and three months in federal prison he also has to make 134000 restitution, like, immediately. Oh, well, good luck. Um, and the judge, this guy's name is Judge Kopf, says, this is a tragedy. It sickens me to have to sentence this young man. By all accounts, Sean came across as, like, a pretty even-keeled person in court. He was smart. He was attentive. He told the truth. He's a former basketball star who everybody knew, like, people in the courthouse knew. Mm-hmm. One of the dispatchers um, from, uh, from one of these crimes who had called it in. Her, she was marrying uh, his point guard from the basketball team. Like oh, it boy. is small town, small town. Yeah, it's, it's David City. So yeah, like it just didn't make a lot of sense. And the judge was just like, I hate that all this happened. I don't know why it happened. And the yeah. thing that I was going to say is like, Sean in his, uh, what is it called? Like his declaration. Um, there's a word for that. Declamation. Oh, uh, allocution. Allocution. That's right. In, in Sean's, uh, what's another funny word for that? Yeah. Uh, in Sean's cuticle, he says, uh, <laughs> uh, he in his said loquaciousness. <laughs> yeah. He says that he did it to get money for drugs. And I didn't, I didn't see that anywhere. Like, Mm-mm. like Mm-mm. you don't need that much for weed. And right. he didn't say he was dealing and like, it's just not in the narrative. So I don't know if he That's just really like weird. fudged that one because yeah. he, he didn't have another answer. But, well, maybe what he was getting the money for was so embarrassing that it would be better just to say it was for drugs. Yeah, or maybe it was. And when it came to book time, like he didn't want to talk about that, which is fair, mm-hmm, you know. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. But anyway, he does say at sentencing, quote, through this whole thing, I have become a better person. Unlike most people in the system, I had a good loving family that raised me the right way. I have no excuse, which is wow. noble of him, right? Yeah, that is. Judge Kopf replies, We'll know in about 13 years if you meant what you said. Oh. Yeah. As it turns out, Sean does mean what he says. Uh Uh-huh. From the time he's in federal custody all the way until he finishes his sentence in 2009, he's growing into a better person. And I'm going to tell you about it. Yeah. (laughs) Your face is like on the floor. Yeah, I'm shocked. Right. Like like, this doesn't happen, right? It never works out this way. (laughs) So he does his time at FCI Pekin in Illinois. Pekin or Mm -hmm. Pekin? Or it goes, you can, any way you like. Oh, okay. Pecan. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, federal prison is extremely difficult, but he figures out how to navigate the system over time. Most of his book, which is called, um, it's called 
Lawman, Memoirs of a Jailhouse. Mm, um, I'll tell you later. Uh, <laughs> most of this book is really about that time in his life. So if you're interested, I highly recommend picking it up. Okay. But what's important is that while he's in prison, a job opens up in the prison library and Sean takes it. Hmm. He has to share it with some of the gangs who are dealing weed in the back. Uh, but he figures all that how to work around that. Over time in the library, he teaches himself how to research cases for the guys around him and provide like basic procedural law advice. Mm -hmm. He quickly becomes a trusted jailhouse legal assistant. And more so than any of the other short-term successes he has earlier in life, he's really into it. Like, he's like, I found it. I found my special purpose. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. And remember, he walked in knowing absolutely nothing about the law and like five months of college. Yeah. So in 2002, he has a major breakthrough. He uses the library typewriter to bang out a, a cert petition for his fellow inmate, John Fellers. A cert is basically an appeal to the Supreme Court. This is a crapshoot kind of filing. Like every inmate fills one out. Nobody expects right. to get it. Right? right. And even the best lawyers in the country, they're like, yeah, this probably isn't going to work. Uh, well, it works. Sean's petition is one of seven that are chosen among 7,200 that are submitted. No way. And next it lands on the desk of the U.S. Solicitor General at the time, Seth Waxman, who said it was one of the best he had ever seen. You're kidding. So Waxman, And this is for another inmate. It's not for himself. Right. This is for okay. this guy, John Fellers, another inmate who was serving mm -hmm. time with him. Um, Waxman likes it so much. He's like, you know what? I'll hop on. He takes the case on with John Hopwood. They win a 9-0 unanimous decision in the Supreme Court. You're kidding. His fellow inmate's sentence is knocked down by four years. Wow. At this point, if you're not rooting for the guy out in rude dude land, I don't know, go fly a kite. Exactly. He's now David City's finest. Yeah. So then in 2005, he does it again. He lands another Supreme Court appeal hearing for an inmate, getting his decision vacated and sent back to a lower court. Oh, wow. He does that. He helps other guys get sentence reductions from three years to 10 years, right? Like his this best life. This is incredible. I am yeah. not kidding. Yeah. While he's in prison, he also reconnected with the girl he had a huge crush on in high school, Anne-Marie Metzner. Was she a CO? From Little David <laughs> City. <laughs> no, she's like coming to visit him. Here's what uh -huh. happens. Uh, Sean's mom was working for Anne-Marie's dad at a pet medicine supplier back in David uh -huh. City. Uh -huh. Anne-Marie asks Sean's mom about him. Like, hey, how's that guy doing? Uh, writes to him in prison and she visits and they hit it off. And what he says is... She was wearing an engagement ring the first time she comes in to visit. The next time she comes in to visit, she's not wearing an engagement oh, ring. Oh, dang. Yeah. But instead, she's just cheeking him some gabapentin. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, <laughs> so they discover they both had crushes on each other in high school. And when he gets out in August of 09, they get married. And they've been together ever since. They have two kids. Wow. Look yeah. at that happily ever after. What does he do now that he's out? So... His meteoric rise in law circles continued once he got out, right? He tracks down a job opening first thing at Cockle Law Brief Printing Company, which is a great name. Um, that's, they're only one of five firms in the country that helps lawyers prep filings for the Supreme Court. Kind of oh, perfect for that, right? Yeah. But he's worried about, you know, having the record. He's a felon and everything. So his buddy Fellers, who he had helped get out four years earlier, um, yeah. he's now running a car dealership. He gifts him a vintage Mercedes with like... You know, like it, it looks really nice. It's old, but wow. it looks really nice. He's like, here, thank you for getting me out. So that helps. Uh, and he calls in a fave from Seth Waxman, now former solicitor general, who picks up the horn personally and calls this, you know, rinky dink law publishing company and is like, yeah. hey, can you give my dude a break? And they do. So that gets it done. Huh. Uh, so then he, he had been taking law courses while at FCI Pekin. And then he enrolls at University of Washington Law School in 2011. Wow. Next, he interns for a federal district court judge in Seattle. Then he works in the federal public defender's office. He keeps climbing. Now yeah. he's got a gig clerking for Judge Janice Rogers Brown of the U.S. Court of Appeals of the D.C. Circuit in 2014. Whoa. So 2015, he lands a highly competitive teaching fellowship at Georgetown's litigation clinic. Oh, you're kidding. Clinic. Yeah. And he does so well with that. They then give him a professorship at Georgetown Law School. And that's what he's doing now. What? Yeah. This is amazing. Dude has made it. Oh my God. But that's not all, Elizabeth. Oh I think no. <laughs> the most, most satisfying of all these things, he gets a mea culpa in writing from the federal judge who sentenced him. You're kidding. It's perfect. You remember wow. blogs? 
Yeah, I do remember blogs. Okay, so in 2013, that judge, Richard G. Kopf, he wrote an entry in his personal public blog, which <gasps> was called- blogging it out. Just yeah, blogging it out. It was called Hercules and the Empire. This was the era when like everybody who was anybody had a blog. Everybody right? had a blog. This this blog is now defunct, but you can still see it in the Internet Archive. So oh, that's yeah, way it. back. Nice. Support the Internet Archive, by the way. I, You know, like yes. they do such good work. It's incredible. So his post is reflecting on an article all about Sean Hopwood's accomplishments to date. In the body of the post, uh, Judge Kopf writes, these are like bullet points. One, Hopwood deserves all the credit in the world. I hope he makes the best of an astounding opportunity. Two, Hopwood proves that my sentencing instincts suck. When I sent him to prison, I would have bet the farm and all the animals that Hopwood would fail miserably as a productive citizen when he finally got out of prison. My gut told me that Hopwood was a punk, all mouth, very little else. My viscera was wrong. Can you imagine? But he, his sentencing, I don't think his sentencing was wrong. I think that he, Sean would not have done this were he not put in the position of being confined and being forced to do this, you know? Well, let's see what Sean says back. Oh, yes. Let's see what Sean says. Because you've got this like in the comments, the comments go on and on and on. And you've got like, you know, wife guys and reply guys in there. But like right. eventually, eventually Sean shows up. Yeah. Do you, this is just the first paragraph. Dear mm-hmm. Judge Koff, I wouldn't say that your sentencing instincts suck. While I meant what I said at sentencing, I was hardly the person that could back it up. I was a reckless and selfish young man back then. I changed. I think most of us changed from the age of 22 to 38. And many, like me, outgrow the irresponsibility and foolishness. I can't tell you how many law enforcement officers, including prosecutors, have come up to me and said something similar to this. Tears in their eyes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sir, sir. Yeah. I know your story, and I too committed some crimes when I was young, although not in the category of bank robberies. And I was lucky enough to not get caught. They changed and channeled their energies and became responsible professionals. I did too. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I think think the thing is, is that we act like everyone, that education is one size fits all. And that when you're 18, you go right to college and that's the time for you to do it. And if not, then, you know, you go into the workforce, but not everyone can do that. Mm -hmm. And obviously for Sean, his, I mean, it's not good to rob banks in the meantime, but his development was later on, like his, you know, figuring out what he wanted to do, where, why he was supposed to be here. And it sucks that he had to do it in prison in a federal facility, but you know. Better that than some of the state facilities. Did I just hear a ridiculous takeaway? I think you just heard a ridiculous (laughs) takeaway. Well, my other takeaway is that please tell me that when, like, that you often say to your wife, like, hey, welcome to David City. (laughs) And then she just rolls her eyes at you. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I haven't, but I'm I'm using that. I think you should. I think you should. Um, Yeah. The other thing about Sean is, so he's now obviously like a huge advocate for criminal justice reform. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of what he does. And one of the things, the other thing he said in this blog is that he has a firm belief that it should be five years and that's it. Nobody should be in prison for longer than five years. Oh, that's interesting. It's going to do whatever it can do in that time. And the rest is just absolute garbage. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a, yeah, a really remarkable way of looking at it. That is. That's a really interesting, interesting way. My ridiculous takeaway is... Thank you for the, asking. Yeah. The, the <laughs> flip side of yours is like, welcome to David City, for one thing. Uh, <laughs> but for the other thing, um, you know, criming is not for everybody. No, no. And some of our criminals really get into it and it's like, it becomes their special purpose. I think Sean like did a crime and he was like, All right, that was okay, but I didn't get any spark from it. Like, yeah, yeah. It's not really me. It wasn't ticking the boxes for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, in a, in a um, very Gen X sort of way, he had to wear a lot of hats before he figured mm-hmm. out what his thing is. Ain't that the truth? Yep. So yeah, bless him. God bless. Job bless. Uh, and God bless you, rude dudes. Yes. Thanks for the story, Dave. That was a good one. You're so welcome. That is what we have for today. You can find us online at RidiculousCrime.com where we have, you know, dancing gifts, dancing girls, merch, bad typography. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at RidiculousCrime. You can send us an electronic mail at RidiculousCrime at gmail.com. We probably won't read it. Uh, or you can use the iHeart app and send us a 30-second audio message called a talkback. Go to the app. Go to the episode. You'll see a little microphone. Hit that and, you know, talk for 30 seconds or more, but it'll only catch 30 seconds. That's all from here. Keep your feet on the ground. Keep reaching for the stars.
Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Zarin Burnett and Elizabeth Dutton and sometimes Dave Kustin. It's produced and edited by the epithetless Dave Kustin. Research is by Marissa, two sources confirm that this is a robbery, Brown, and Andrea, put all of your money into the footnotes, song sharpened tear. The theme song is by Thomas Coppaplee Lee and Travis Five-Year Max Dutton. Executive producers are Ben, Beef, It's What's For Dinner, Bolin, and Noel, Pork, The Other White Meat, Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.